All right, welcome to Geopolitics in Conflict, breaking news. What are we going to talk about today, Elizabeth? There are ongoing, uh, ongoing conversations, ongoing discussions that are happening right now in Vienna. That's correct. The ongoing talks between the, uh, the P5 members and Iran regarding the GCPOA. This is now the seventh times they are meeting yes. and nothing has been achieved in the past six rounds. So what makes us think that things are going to change this time around? That's <laughs> so a really good change. question. Yeah. Well, this is, has to do with, uh, of course, the GCPOA. Just to give a background to our viewers to know what this is all about. This one has to do with the nuclear agreement, P5 mm -hmm. plus one. Uh, which is the five permanent members of the UN Security Council, uh, US, Russia, China, France, and Britain, in addition to Germany, that they have reached with Iran in 2015 regarding its nuclear program. So they agreed upon that, in which the US lifted some sanctions, and Iran will adhere to certain uh, safeguards by the IEEA, the International Energy Atomic Agency, that controls the verifications of so, so many other things. Uh, just fast forward to 2018, when President, former President Trump decided to unilaterally withdraw from the GCPUA, which was a shock to everybody. Yes. So, uh, the question became is, why? All of a sudden, the U.S. that's supposed to hold its commitment to agreements, all of a sudden is withdrawing unilaterally and reimposing far harsher sanctions on Iran than the one before. So. Well, and that's a very interesting question. And I want to dive into that because, you know, the sanctions are a very big part of this. Mm -hmm. You know, Iran, basically their, their biggest demand is that the sanctions are lifted. And even we were talking about this a little bit before, before mm -hmm. this live stream, you know, that, that President Biden, he, he said that he would come in and he would basically undo what Trump did. But then he didn't do that, did he? Yeah. Well, that's what it tells you something about politics. What politicians mm -hmm. say versus what they do are two different things. But here's the thing. Uh, for Iran, Iran now is looking at it from a different perspective altogether. Given the new administration in Iran with the elections of a hardliner, Raisi, Raisi's main objective is going to be is to respond to his domestic audience. And one mm -hmm. of the key to all that is the lifting of sanctions first before they move an inch. The US, on the other hand, seems not be willing to do that. And they wanted to expect uh, Iran to just agree to whatever. And I don't see personally Iran agreeing to that. This is why Iran made it clear that they are not going to have a bilateral talk directly with the US which is bad, <laughs> bad, yeah. in, bad in a sense from an optic perspective. Here is the, the permanent members uh, without the U.S., what they call the P4 plus mm -hmm. one meeting with Iran, but the U.S. has to wait somewhere else. Well, with this seventh round. Exactly. And that is why, uh, like we said on the description, you know, uh, don't expect much. Yeah. What you will expect, however, uh, the only change that I see, if ever the U.S. will agree, if they come out and state it, 
or states that we're gonna lift sanctions on Iran for Iran to go back to the original JCPOS signed in 2015. And this is exactly what Iran is saying. Iran mm -hmm. is saying, we're not defending Iran here. We're just saying yeah. what's pragmatic. Because if you sign a contract, hypothetically, you sign a contract with me, you can come in the middle of the contract and say, hey, I'm changing the terms. Right. And, and especially with, at least as far as I can see, not really an expressed reason for doing that. And what I, I want to bring in two things, because I also want to play a little bit of devil's advocate here in terms mm -hmm. of, you know, I'm not 100% sure, I'm not 100% convinced, and this is just my opinion, mm -hmm. that Iran really wants it back. You know, sometimes, sometimes they say, you know, we were just talking about that, where, where politicians will say one thing mm -hmm. just to sort of appease the rest of the world. So I wanted to bring up two things. First mm -hmm. of all, the fact that Iran has not allowed monitoring uh, of their facilities. So I think I have a quote here. But do you uh, do you know what I'm talking about, David? Yes, I do. Okay. So yes, the IEA uh, has been uh, they've been denied monitoring access. Uh huh. And that's a fairly concerning step because from my understanding, that was actually a part of the original, uh, that was part of the original uh, plan. Is exactly. that true? Yeah, but I have to disagree with you on that. The okay. reason being because that was part of the plan under the GCPOA of 2015. Mm -hmm. So when you change the rules, why should Iran bow by those same old rules when you did not? You know, that is the reason why uh, I see Iran's, uh, Iran's reaction. It's expected. The West mm -hmm. is wording that differently. Oh, Iran has violated its terms. Well, wait a minute. Who violated the term right. in the first place? Right. So, because we're going to have to be fair to how the system is operating if we are to deal with Iran, in this case with the nuclear, we said to Iran, okay, here's the, here are the terms. In mm -hmm. one condition for that, that the IEA inspectors will have access. Yes. Iran said, yes, we agree. That was That's what they signed on back in 2015. Mm -hmm. In 2018, when we imposed, when we withdrew from the, the uh, GCPOA and we imposed sanctions, so why, why should Iran be by, by the same rules of 2015? So they want to hit an increased enrichment which is concerning. I'm not saying mm -hmm. otherwise, but they have a right to do so because we broke the term. So this is where they are coming from, why we prevented the IEA inspectors from visiting certain sites, not mm -hmm. all of them. No, well, the, military, I... the military sites, by the way, were off limits. So, But here is the problem right now that the US is dealing with all this. Now they add in another dimension to these talks. And it has to do with Iran nuclear, uh, Iran's missile systems. Mm, well, wait yeah. a minute. Missile systems were not a part of the GCPOA talks in 2015. Mm -hmm. So it, it's kind of like, you know, you can't change the horse in the middle of the game or well, the race, whatever that is. Yeah. And, and that seems to be what's happening here. Uh, exactly. And I would also like to point out the second thing that I'd like to point out uh -huh. is... Uh, Iran's 
oil production, its crude exports mm -hmm. has increased as much as 700,000 barrels per day, mostly to China. Exactly. So, I mean, that's a double of its crude exports. And well, I, I, that's huge. Exactly. Because China, I think China and Iran has signed some agreement in which hmm. uh, uh, Iran will provide uh, China with, with oil and China will provide technology for Iran, which yeah. is a deal between the two. What's interesting about just for our viewers to understand the dynamics of oil transactions, most of the oil, as we know, now transact in the US dollar. That's why we call yeah. the, use the term petrodollar. And how this came to be, you have to go back to 1970s when the US, especially in 1973, when it made it clear to the Saudis that if you want our protection, you have to sell oil in the US dollars. Yes, this is actually a huge thing because David, take that to now, what is being done with Iran and China with this oil transaction? Because they were not conducted in US dollars. Yes. Yeah. And, mm -hmm. and, and rightly so, because China's realizing, why should we do that? And this is where I think we did one video way back when we said about certain countries are dumping the US dollar. Yeah. That's usually very concerning to the American government. It's because when you start having transactions on the global level that are conducted in other currency beside the US, that's problematic. Well, and I want to point out every time, you know, people ask us all the time, is China looking to be the reserve currency? And although I think the answer that both of us, at least I can speak for myself, I think the answer is directly no. However, they're not making efforts to have these oil transactions be in the in the US dollar. And so even if it's one transaction at a time or two transactions at a time, it's mm -hmm. heading that direction. It, it's how do you eat an elephant? It's one bite at a time. And yeah. at least that's my personal observation. Yeah, yeah. I don't see them running towards, China that is, running yeah. towards making their currency, the yuan, as the global currency, because it comes with some responsibilities and Absolutely. some other, yeah, I don't see them doing that. But for the transactions, mm -hmm. hey, if that works for them, why not? They don't have to, yeah, I mean, look what happened with what we did about the uh, one man Joe regarding the transactions, yeah. because that thing has to go through New York for the SWIFT system, mm -hmm. China's thinking in terms with Iran transactions. How about if we do it directly in our own currency? Yes. As a matter of fact, I did find out that even uh, some shipment of the Saudi oil to China has been conducted in other than the US dollar. Well, and that decreases the demand for the US dollar. I mean, ultimately, if transactions like this are being made in another currency than the US dollar, that creates less demand for it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> But but just to go back to that GCP way now, uh, as we said, this is now the seventh round, you know, uh, till till those sanctions are lifted, there will be no, there will be no, I don't see why Iran will, will agree. It doesn't make any logical sense uh, for Iran to agree to whatever the U.S. is saying, because their argument, Iran's argument is, you know, We'll go back to whatever it was, just you, the U.S., go back to 2015 original 
agreement. And that's, that's logical. Well, so I have have a question for you. And this stems from, you know, my background is human behavior. It's understanding sort of the behind what someone is saying, right? The Mm -hmm. meaning behind what someone is saying. So if you've had seven talks that have been unsuccessful, Uh that does not come across as sincere. And on both sides. Because, you know, you can have the same conversation over and over again with little to, to nothing. And this happens all the time when people are trying to buy time, for example. And so do you think that do you think that Iran is really sincere and or the U.S.? I mean, both parties, because if you look at simply the fact that there have been seven of these mm-hmm. and it has not no no big breakthroughs have happened in the seven. Is yeah. this perhaps uh is there an is there an alternative intention perhaps buying time for example but uh, okay if you are to follow up on this explanation then what would be the reason for buying time for that's a good question yeah. what would be you know from a rand perspective what will mm-hmm. it be now that they already have a new administration you know they are doing the priorities towards yes the sanctions have hurt them very very badly but at the same time these sanctions are not new. Iran's mm-hmm. been under sanctions for over 30 years and they never bowed. You know what I mean? They're mm-hmm. still standing on their feet. You know, well, if, so you then, are, if you are to think about it from the US side, what will be the purpose? Dragging it for what? Thinking well, that Iran will agree to the new sanctions? I don't think so. And so that's sort of the next point. And that is does Iran see the value? in returning to what there was before, to the agreement? Does it really see value in that? And I don't know the answer, I'm asking you. I see what you mean, given that there are some now conversations inside Washington Mm -hmm. and even among some Western allies that they're saying, Iran might end up agreeing to certain modifications within the term, assuming Mm -hmm. the sanctions will be lifted. uh, And also the US might end up agreeing to lifting the sanctions because they are noticing that Iran, the, the regional dynamics in the Middle East, like Iran does not have as much tension with its Gulf states, mm-hmm. neighbors. So that's usually geopolitically speaking is an indication for, you know, what might lie ahead as far as, well, we don't expect any friction or tensions between Iran and its neighbors. Mm. So this could, and I say could, convince the U.S. to say, well, maybe, okay, let's just go with it, lift the sanctions and go back to the other terms. But also the dynamics in the Middle East, the changes in the, yes. in the Middle East are outside the U.S. control because the U.S. cannot control or cannot influence, rather not control, I take this back, cannot influence the geopolitical landscape in the Middle East anymore mm-hmm. as once it did 30 years ago. Yes. So the the U.S. looking at it that way by saying, okay, uh, uh, damn we do, damn we don't, uh, but this is not going to be resolved. So what will be next? What the next concern for the U.S. is that Iran is going to move forward with the increase of the enrichment. And as we know, if you get closer to almost 90%, you're there for uh, a weapon, uh, uh, a nuclear weapon that is. Uh, whether yeah. Iran is after that or not, that's a separate conversation for a different time. 
The other thing that I would like to point out has to do with the domino effect in the Middle East if yeah. Iran becomes a nuclear uh, power. And I wrote about this in my recent book about Iran arguing that, you know, this is going to be, for example, uh, uh, the Middle East, the nuclear domino theory, basically, might just be that, a theory. Mm -hmm. you know, there are those who are saying, no, 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 no. Countries like uh, Egypt, uh, Saudi Arabia, uh, Jordan, Turkey, uh, you know, even though my uh, issue some uh, or pursuing some indigenous uh, nuclear programs, it, it amounts to nothing but empty rhetoric. Mm -hmm. It's because one reason and one reason only reality and factual evidence suggest otherwise. You know, that possibility of those countries in question could impact what the geopolitical landscape in the Middle East because they run contrary to their capabilities of guaranteeing a successful nuclear program. Well, and, and you know, do you see a genuine um, reshuffling of sort of the powers that are happening in the Middle East right now? You are, you are an absolute Middle East expert. Well, there are some changes. I mean, just to mm -hmm. finish this point here about how Arabs, usually historically throughout the history, uh, Arab nations have done more talking than deeds. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So the pursuit of a nuclear weapon program should be no different because mm -hmm. they won't be able to anyway. They don't have the capability. They don't have the capacity. They don't have the scientific know-how. Mm -hmm. And they don't have the infrastructure for that. So mm -hmm. it becomes the question of, uh, yeah, the shifting of the geopolitical landscape in the Middle East, which is not to the U.S. favor, especially after we invaded Iraq. Yes. You know, I argued against that one by saying, you do not want to do that. You do not want to do that because you're going to open up a can of worm, historically mm -hmm. speaking, that you won't be able to put the lid on, given the old history of the Middle East. Yeah, and this is something we are very, very poor at. Is we do not read history. Yes, uh, I could learn. not agree more with yeah. that. We don't learn from it. That's the unfortunate part. We think that some of us in Washington will read a book or two and call ourselves experts. Mm -hmm. That nonsense. Absolute yeah. nonsense. So that's where I see those talks. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, it's going to amount to sure we can meet. But the only thing that is, which is an, uh, from an optic uh, perspective, yes, Iran is not willing to sit down with the U.S. face to face. Well, and quite frankly, you know, there have been a lot of promises made by the U.S. Exactly. Uh, to to speak in earnest, and and this is still my opinion. You know, after after looking into this, mm -hmm. is that I'm not a hundred percent convinced that Iran wants to go back to the way that it was before. I yeah, think that, that in its own way, if this were to really move forward, there would have to be serious negotiations that actually happened that would renegotiate the previous plan. And I'm not sure that either party is invested in that. And like exactly. I said, from a purely behavioral standpoint, you know, meeting seven times and then not being willing to meet with the, UN the U.S. means that there's not... Um, there's not an, an earnest desire from both parties to really get back to the way that it was before. Exactly. And when you use the term serious, uh, I will I will change it for one word by saying substantive. Yes. Because that's what's missing from this talk. The talks are serious, but they are not mm -hmm. substantive. There's no substance coming out of them. So 
it will be very interesting to see what they come up with and i mean i'm watching as the meetings taking place as a matter of fact it was yeah. just for the last two hours uh, that's the last thing that i checked and i'm like wondering what's gonna be the final uh, uh, report uh, coming mm -hmm. out of that by the end of which will be about three or four hours from now and i'll be happy to check on that just to make sure to see well but personally personally i just don't see i don't see because I don't yeah because the question that many analysts will be asking and when i see analysts from around the world mm -hmm. who are taking uh, uh, interest into this is the question is uh, from both parties do they negotiate or are they negotiating in a good faith right and and i think i think good faith can mean a couple of different things mm -hmm. right do do i think that there is you know necessarily negative intent maybe not but is there in earnest a desire to solve a problem what i know is that when there is when there is in earnest the mm -hmm. desire from both parties to solve a problem mm -hmm. it gets solved whether it's solved well or not i think is arguable exactly. but sure. it gets done and watching this happen seven times i yeah. think you're absolutely right yeah. I, I think it's not necessarily in good faith yeah and that's why i tweeted on it personally earlier this morning mm -hmm. by asking that same question who's negotiating in good faith is the u.s yeah. negotiating in good faith you know possibly possibly because remember and we gotta be fair here because mm -hmm. who we drew from the deal in the first place it's true the u.s that's, yeah that's what it becomes the the key question and all what Iran is asking for is sure return to the original one then well but I think because also Iran understand how domestic politics in the United States is yes. so Biden will get too much pressure from some entities that will prevent him from doing so so that's what I see it going so it will be interesting mm -hmm. to see well and, and he did make that promise and then he didn't follow through with it exactly and those are the type of questions we're gonna be by the way we're gonna be uh changing our program just for for all our viewers to know mm -hmm. i noticed one thing elizabeth that on fridays when we do live streams we don't have enough time to answer all the questions not even close yeah. uh and one way if you really want to connect with us if you really want to talk to us we both have twitters uh david is at d and I am at Alchemy of E. We love talking to you guys. And a lot of what we talk about, if we don't have the picture or if we want to point to a different article, we'll do it on our Twitters. So check us out on Twitter. Uh, also, if you really want to go in depth with us, we have a membership at geopoliticsinconflict.com. Roman, come here, buddy. I don't know oh, if you guys can hear my dog. Yeah, he uh, likes hearing that. <laughs> <laughs> he does. He loves yeah, geopolitics yeah. and conflict. Yeah. But it lets us actually talk to you guys over Zoom. Uh, there's live presentations that are really deep dive into topics. On Friday, there is a live presentation that you and Ross are going to be giving on the inevitable death of the U.S. dollar. And it's a very deep dive. And there's a Q&A at the end. Um, and you have access to all of our past deep dive presentations also exactly. and i think it's 11 dollars for the first month so it's it's very reasonable geopoliticsandconflict.com um and then yes so our fridays we do not get close to answering all of the questions that you guys have so we're actually going to add in the middle of the week just a q a live stream 
that is just for Q&As and that's it. So this week, I think it's on Wednesday. Um, check, check our Twitter. We will announce it on Twitter. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so so we just wanted to offer that for you guys because you know we can only, on our Friday live streams, we only end yeah. up being able to maybe answer four questions, five questions. Yeah. And, you know, sometimes sometimes we do well. Sometimes we can get maybe up to 10. But, you know, we wanted to offer that to you guys. Yeah. But the questions are very, you know, our viewers, mm-hmm. they are very intellectually engaged. And, yes. and that's, that's the reason why we don't have time. So we decided to do this and go ahead and set up a session just for Q&A mm-hmm. for our viewers on YouTube here because our members, that's separate. And that's one of the reasons also why Fridays we don't have enough time because after the live, we have to do our presentations and so forth. Yes, and we have a members-only Q&A, uh, exactly. and that's a much longer time also. So we have members-only presentations and members-only Q&A, and we have a private Discord community where you guys can talk to each other, and we're building up a community of free thinkers and truth seekers. Exactly. So I also wanted to let our viewers know that we are uh, uh, in the process of confirming with some of our guests that they're going to come on before Christmas, hopefully. Uh, Some of the names that our viewers recommended uh, as of yesterday, believe it or not, I contacted the guests and sent an email and I'm waiting for a response. So just for our viewers to know. So. And it would help enormously if you guys have someone you'd like to see on our show, um, put message them, tweet at them, and exactly. let them know that we exist. <laughs> because, exactly, yeah. You that's know, how, we're growing. But... That's how they're going to know. So, so for you, if you are not a subscriber yet, please, please, please subscribe right at the bottom right now and, and, and support our growing channel. And for, uh, for those who will be interested in our membership, as Elizabeth said, Check us out on geopolitics at rather geopoliticsinconflict.com, uh, where we offer you know a host of uh, you know presentations, Q and A's, and also is a platform where we can talk freely. I'm sure you all know what I mean by yes. that. So, so well, anything else to add, Elizabeth? Uh, we're going to have another live stream in a couple of hours, exactly. so be on the lookout. Uh, for that one. Exactly. And that one is very, very interesting. I cannot wait to have this yeah. conversation with you. Indeed. So, well, to all of you, we say thank you for your support. And as always, stay informed. Till next time. Bye bye.